0: Throws it deep downfield to Tyree who makes the catch at the 22-yard What a play play by Manning and what a catch by Tyree. Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it. Welcome to Catch the Moment. I'm your host, David Tyree. We're back. We're still here in the midst of the desert, getting great things done. And man, this one right here is special. This goes back to where it all started. And y'all know me. I'm Jersey to the, to the T. And I got my guy competed against this guy. I know his pedigree. And he's still doing great things in the marketplace. VP of corporate partnerships with the Tau Group, Joe Harrow. What's good? What's up DT Jersey Strong man listen, glad to be here. Listen man I appreciate you just for making this time you got a busy week yourself a lot of work obligations Vegas is the is the epicenter of uh let's just say of America right now with the NFL draft. So so tell me man like you know I, I got to get back to to your mentality of pedigree. We competed against each other we'll get into some of that. But you know when when it comes to how you've transitioned um what made you where you grew up. Give us some of that, you know, that background, like, you know, because we're, what we're really talking about is the, the journey, the process, you know, some of the pain points that really delivered you to this place, this, you know, like I said, where you're at in your career, admirable, right? So so talk about that.
1: Yeah, man, you know, it's, uh, we were talking earlier, there's no perfect script in life, right? Mm. It's, uh, you get handed a playbook, and it's going to change from, from quite a bit over the years, and you got to be flexible, and you got to be Willing to persevere and, and and fight through those things. So you, you you probably don't know this about me, but I was born in Chicago, right outside in the suburbs. Ah, that's yes. harsh. So I was uh, about nine years old. I moved to, to Jersey to the bricks, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it was culture shock. You know, there was a lot of different races and yeah. cultures and religions and things Everything. I just wasn't used to. Um, and it, and it really that that has made me and and been the the uh, the building blocks of who I am today because I I was able to. To sit back and understand and learn different cultures and different races and how people grew up, mm. and that's what what Clifton or places like Montclair or Passaic or Patterson really po- you know posed for me at that time. Mm. Um, but but as a kid, I you know I was angry, man. I was angry moving from from Chicago. I was I was a Chicago through and through. My whole family was from there. My mom met a a, a great man. He's my stepfather. Thirty plus years later, and you know awesome. had a huge impact on my life at that time, though. I, I didn't know him that well. He was man.
0: the enemy, bro. He was
1: the enemy. <laughs> he was the enemy. Now, he did take me to a New Jersey Devils game, and we visited the first okay. time. He he sensed that I was a sports guy, and he took me to a game. We went to the old Brendan Byrne Arena there, you know, nice. in the Meadowlands. Nice, and, uh, nice. And I I immediately started to cozy up to him. I'm like, oh, this guy, okay. this guy's touching some of my hot buttons. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, w- I, was, I was pretty angry moving out, and I get mm-hmm. out there, and, you know, I was pulled away from all my friends. Yeah, uh, but one of the things that that really helped me overcome was sports. Nice. You know, I started grabbing my basketball or my football, and I started meeting a couple of buddies in the neighborhood, and I'd go down to the park, and we'd battle. And you know, some of them turned out a little scrappy, but yeah, but it was that was who I was, and and I found out there was other people like me out there, and you know, I got some competition now, right? Because nice. now I got guys that are bigger than me, and from different backgrounds, and you know, we were we were getting after it, nice. and uh, the the one thing that really put it over the top was. We weren't able to play tackle football in Illinois till 7th grade, which is when junior high started there. And uh, I wasn't even 6th grade, which in New Jersey, I think, that's when I started. Yeah, me um, too. Right, 6th grade. So 7th so grade was tackle, but I always was a big football guy, man. I just, I loved it. I was a Walter Payton guy, grew up in that era. And nice. we get out there, and I remember it was probably my second week of school, and the, the teacher puts down a flyer for the Clifton Junior Mustangs, full tackle, I came home, I said, Mom, I found my place.
0: I'm home, baby. I'm home, Mama. It's on. I love it, man. I love it. So like like talk talk about that moving forward, man. Like like obviously we get into to, to the high school era. You know, I ain't go I ain't gonna throw too many, I ain't gonna throw too many shots with the with the Montclair, you know, Clifton. But, you know, we definitely obviously got the best. But like I said, y'all certainly had y'all moments to shine. So tell me like, you know, how Mentality wise, what was inside of you mentally that gave you some of that edge pedigree? Like what was inside your mind that allowed you to cultivate this mindset from a competition standpoint, from a focus standpoint, the disciplines that you need to excel at anything? Yeah, you know, I just I had such a passion and and love of sports.
1: I'm a sports junkie through and through. I'm a I'm a I'm a student of the game. Um, I'm a student of many sports. I, I, I like to hear the history of it, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, a lot of your core sports, but yeah. you know, I've gotten into other things as well, and that was something that always interested me, and I always wanted to see what guys like Walter Payton were doing or Ronnie Lott or some of these heroes that I grew nice. up watching and, and Lawrence Taylor, right? Like, what did they do? And, and they didn't all do the right things, right? As you get older, you see like they had their path too, and of course. some things were good, some things were bad, but I watched what they did, and... That's who I wanted to be. Mm. I wanted to be that guy and I wanted to be the best. And if I was going to be the best at what I did, I had to put in the time. I had to sacrifice and I had to have, you know, an edge. I had to have a chip on my shoulder and putting in the extra effort, putting in the time. You know, when my friends were out screwing around as we got into high school or Mm -hmm. going on vacations with their family, I stayed back. I stayed home. And mm. I was, you know, under the bridge, whatever it was, like throwing the ball back and forth. There or, you go. You know, running at sprints, doing shuttles, whatever it took so that when we got into that new season, and this started at a young age. This wasn't something I started in ninth grade because now I'm in high school and I'm starting to excel. This started when I was probably five, six years old. I was the kid in the backyard throwing the football to myself as a quarterback and catching it and winning the Super Bowl. Like, that's who I was, and that's what I love to do, and I just— I knew that if I wanted to be great, I had to be different. I had to have a different mindset.
0: Mm, being different. You know, I love what you talked about where it's like, you know, when you saw those images of successful sports figures, you you knew that you needed to imitate. Right. So like we're in a we're in the age where everybody and I think both can exist. I mean, like everybody wants to be so individual. They want to shape their own path. But I've found that whether you call it mentorship, it it takes some form of imitation. You need something to actually grab hold of. Give you some vision, right? So tell me how that works for you. Like obviously, you guys had you know, um, Clifton High School competitive. Um, I want a position. You were like, now you get into the space where you're good. You're, you you got the mentality. You got the juice. Um, you know, y'all came knocking on our door senior year <laughs> and, and, and snatched snatch my my championship hopes. Um, what what was the what was the moment where? that like where you knew this was next level. So like, and and how did that impact you? And I would even throw this last piece in here. What were some of the obstacles that you really had? To, what were the biggest obstacles that you to overcome along that way to arrive at UNLV? Yeah. So, so great question. You know, I've, I've never been a big guy. I'm five, nine, 180
1: mm. pounds. And, you know, as a when I was a kid, I was very, very thin. I was skinny. I had to eat everything. I mean, like a lot of, like a lot of young boys. Right. But yeah. I, I never was going to be this huge kid, but I was always very fast um, and I was, I, I, like I said, I was a student of the game, so I, I knew where to be, I kind of could put myself in places and, and think ahead to, you know, knowing where to be before somebody else was there and nice. you know, just getting ahead of the, the script on that. Um, but ninth grade, I would say, you know, I, I think junior, you know, junior high, it's, it's, it's a different league, it's, 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 it's whatever, just, right? I was, a blast, man. I was doing my thing, we were having fun, but ninth grade, we get into freshman ball and, you know, now guys are getting bigger. They're getting facial hair, right? And I, yeah. I didn't quite have that. I was, yes. I was 135 pounds. I was five foot six, maybe. Yeah. And I just noticed that my skill was so much better than a lot of the other guys that I was competing against or playing with. And that year, I, I probably had, you know, 30 touchdowns or something. I'm running back kicks every time. I was doing everything on the field. At that nice. moment, I knew I got a chance to do something big in this and and make it a much larger platform and see where it goes. And And at that moment, it was like, I think I want to do this for, you know, a longer time than just high school. And I and I have a, an opportunity to maybe go play in college, but I got to put in the work now.
0: That's freaking dope, man. So size, you know, like I said, and it w- was definitely a, I mean, that's, I tell people all the time, like, let's just be realistic. You have to have some measurables in some particular areas. So I think what you're talking about, the biggest thing that you had going for you as a young man was self-awareness. You knew that because of some of your perceived liabilities, you had to, you had to ramp it up in these other categories. Right. With and no that's that's where we take it in the marketplace. That's the same measure of awareness that you have to have. So so fast forward into getting into uh, UNLV. Of course, we all have that. You know, you, you get a Division one scholarship. You have expectations, goals. And, you know, th- we're not talking about any losses here. My career at Syracuse didn't turn out the way I wanted it. I, I like I felt like it was most mostly a bus. Who goes to Syracuse and be, wants to become a, a special teams guy, right? <laughs> like so, you know I always want to put certain things in perspective. But tell me how that journey went there, and and just like I said, how you were able to pivot and transition to make the most of that experience. Yeah, man. So you know going back, you asked a
1: question earlier about you know adversity, and you know my sophomore year in high school there was there was some adversity and. You know, you're starting to get to that stage. Girls become a little bit more important. Ooh, and, yeah, I baby. mean, you know, Come good-looking on. guys. Come on, some of these, you know, juniors and seniors are coming around, picking me up, taking me places. Of and, course. And you know, I was going to some of the parties, and I and I re- I remember very vividly is that summer going into sophomore year. Guys were starting to, you know, smoke weed. Oh, no and they doubt. Were drinking, and they were doing these things, and and I did too, right? I got into it, and I remember a couple times I got dropped off at home, and you know, by somebody's parents, and I just I was not in a good place, and mm. I could have went down that you know that fork in the road I could have went left I could have went down the middle I could have went right and something something took hold of me Sports and said Joe you got something bigger to do in life don't go that way with some of these guys you can still have fun and do what you want to do but you got a you got a mission right now and it was a higher power maybe it was god maybe yeah. it was you know my parents in the back of my head maybe it was just this inner self awareness that i had yep. that said don't don't be that guy and that was the moment dave that i really really recognized i don't want to be that dude and that's when my re- my career really started to take off. At least in high school, I played varsity. The next year, we start to go down that road. Now I start to have a bunch of success. I took off very quickly as a sophomore. I, you know, I'm I'm outdoing the seniors now. They all respected me. They're awesome. like, this is the guy. Um, so going into my junior year, you know, I started to get a couple offers. Nice, um, a lot of one day double, one A offers. You know, it was the. Uh, a Yankee Conference at that time, Delaware, oh, yeah. UConn, like, UMass. I got you. Um, nice. And those, you know, great schools. Heck yeah! I was angry once again though, because you know I'm I'm a small guy, and they were looking at my measurables. To your point, but I also ran a four four. You know, I I, I could run pretty blazing, good. He was blazing, bro. And and that was my that was my gift, right? I mean, I I never had to work that hard at my speed. You know, mm-hmm. I did as you get older and you figure out ways to get a little bit of an edge on the field or whatnot. But I was angry about that because these recruiters would come into my school and they're like, well, you know, he's got great tape and he's done all these things, but not really. He doesn't fit the, the look or the feel that we're going for. Ooh. Plus, don't forget, I was a white tailback, right? Yeah, you were. And yeah, you were. Not too many white tailbacks <laughs> out there, right? So I got that going against me too. So I go through Facts. this thing. We'll, but, talk,
0: we'll talk about it. We don't talk about, about that, right? Man, the, the other side of the tracks. 100%. I, I, I respect that. You know, We got to acknowledge the fact that it can work both ways, right? And uh, we'll give you we'll give you your, your roses on that, bro. You overcame a lot.
1: Yeah. So you know, I get in and I'm getting these uh, these different offers, and I probably had you know 25, 30 offers from those one double A's. And while I was interested, in, you know, I I, I definitely looked at them. I looked at the Villanova's and the William and Mary's great schools. In my heart, I knew I was a Division one player. Nice. And funny enough, another piece you don't know about me, my dream school was Syracuse. Oh, so man. I wanted to go to Syracuse more that than would have been crazy. I did junior day up there. I did senior. They offered me a gray shirt, which if, you, if those listeners that don't know what a gray shirt is, it's like a five-and-a-half-year program or a six-year program. So you okay. come in, and they basically don't pay for your school. The next mm-hmm. year, you could potentially redshirt again, right? So you might sit on the sidelines for two years. And I said, look, I come from a very middle-class family. As much as I want to go here, I have too many schools that offer me a full ride. I got to go where the money is. Yeah, so that, that kind Thank of fell you. out, man. And um, funny enough, UNLV, my coach, um, big shout out to Jim Kelly. I still talk to him quite Amazing. often. He's, he coaches at a small uh, uh, small school up in, um, in North Jersey. And uh, he came out to Vegas. He had no kids at that time, and they loved coming here. He's a big gambler, and his, okay. his wife were in their 30s. And he walked from the MGM Grand down to the UNLV facility and dropped the tape. I like, I got a guy for you guys. Did not tell me. And Dang. I start getting calls from Vegas, and I, honest to God's truth, that one the recruiting guy who called me, one of them was Chris White, a, a mutual coach that we both had. Get out of here! Coach White called me, and uh, you know how hey, legendary coach. is that? Amazing. So they called me, and I said, uh, guys, no disrespect, but I didn't even know you had a football program. I said, I know Grandmama, I know Stacy <laughs> no Ogden, and I, uh, I know I know what you guys have in basketball. And he goes, he starts laughing, and uh, long story short, I you know decided to make the the, the journey, and. Come three thousand miles out west,
0: man! What a life-changing moment, Chris White. Big shout! He is the author of B L N Big Leather Nuts, and you know, probably was you know, uh, my, probably yeah, I think I had him as a special teams coach majority of my years there, yeah, man. Big, big shout to him. So this is this is dope, right? So obviously, you know, the, the career um, pans out, you know, and I, I couldn't follow it, you know, I couldn't follow for all kinds of reasons. So h- how was your experience, real quick, and get to that, and and like I said, tell tell me about um just some some of that reality the disappointments you know white bag, mm. um less visible program you know how how did that work out through you, through your four 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 five years
1: ago? yeah you know you know going to a mid-major right going out west yep. everybody was way different than us dave right they mm. talked different they dressed different their socks were a little higher they said hella i said I, this is not how i grew <laughs> up man these are things you just don't understand or experience where we grew up right? Yeah. And we go to camp, right? I came out here when it was nice, like this time of year, right? It was 80 degrees, beautiful weather, the pools. We go to a little town, Mesquite, about an hour north from here. Okay. Camp. It's 110 degrees outside. Oh, Lord. So now you're with, as you know, you're playing with grown men. You're 18 years old. Yeah. Are big, physical. They've been lifting at a different level than you've ever lifted. And I'm getting my my teeth kicked in pretty good. And I remember calling my mom, my stepfather, and I said, I'm out of here. I said, this is not for me. I was literally a week into camp. I said, This, this is not for me out here. I don't, I don't like the vibe. It's just, I, I want to go back east. And I had all these other schools that I looked at. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad, John, gets on the phone. My mom says, You got to talk to him. You got to walk him off the ledge. He just got there. <laughs> yeah, walking the plank. And, uh, and John got on the phone and uh, he said, Listen, son, he goes, Give it a year, man. Give it a year. And if you don't like it after a year, that's okay, man change change can happen. There's various reasons why things can change, but you're a fighter, and give it a shot, man. Yeah. one of the best piece of advices a piece of advice that I ever had in my life was from my stepfather John in that awesome. moment it was a, it was a it was a turning a life-changing moment right I, love I, could, it. I could have packed up and left right then and there, and I opted not to, and it was the best decision because I would not be in the place that I am in my life right now with what unLV college football. You, uh, The city of Las Vegas, yeah. this great community, has done for me. There was no
0: shot I'd be where I'm at today. I freaking love it. You know, because, you know, like, we talk about the things that really make people successful. And everybody has to have a skill, right? Whether you, When you go into the marketplace, you got to get good at something. It's just like being on a team. Special teams is what gave me an opportunity to get into the National Football League. I always felt like I was a good enough receiver. But you have to be good at something yeah. to, to the point where they keep you on the team. But it's ultimately being things like that, teachable. Can you listen and recognize that there's something to be gained even in the middle of adversity. So, you know, you 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 thug it out, you know, I'm sure you probably got red shirt and all that good stuff. I, Grew I up did, over man. there. Yeah. How did you what's your assessment of your of your four or five years there? We know the fruit of it. Yeah. What was your assessment of it? And how did you transition out of your athletic phase of your of your of your life?
1: Well, it was a challenge, man. I I get there, right? And I'm this, you know, kid from Jersey. Nobody's from that area. So, and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, go back to this more, but I was a white tailback. There was no other white tailbacks, right? There was actually a fullback who's, who became one of my best. Oh fans. yeah. Fullbacks be white. white Ironically, <laughs> we ended up with a black quarterback and a white backfield my senior year, which is unheard of in college
0: best football. That's legendary. It worked out pretty well.
1: So, uh, you know, I, I, do red shirt the first year I played in a couple of games. They gave me a little bit, you know, special teams, the first two games at that time you could play without, you know, oh, yeah, losing your, your shirt. Thing. Yeah. Then, I, you know, I was definitely not physically ready. So we get back to the drawing board. So now, that year we went 0 11. <sighs> we went 0 11, Dave. My heart's so... And uh, Jeff Horton, big shout-out. He's the guy who got me out here. He's at San Diego State. He's been coaching for many, many years. He took a chance on this kid from Jersey, and I wouldn't be here without him. He left, obviously, for, you know, not, not crushing, performing. Right. Yeah. So now we got a whole new staff coming in, and the legendary John Robinson from USC on his swan song, Won a national championship, coached guys like Marcus Allen in the yeah. late 70s, Charles White, Ricky Bell, Heisman Trophy winners. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play this little white tailback that he didn't recruit for the legendary <laughs> John Robinson, which what we thought was his kind of swan song. He was in his 60s. Yeah. They're going to bring this big, you know, this big figure here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it couldn't have been further from the truth. Coach Robinson gave us all an opportunity to play. Now that, that piece too, or we almost thought about transferring, right? Everybody said we're not his guys now. So again, these obstacles continue yeah. to come up. We stuck it out. Well, after my first year, I'm the fourth string guy. I'm kind of, you know, stuck on the depth chart. I did whatever I whatever I had to do. Yeah. I was on the punt team. I was on the punt return team. I was on the kickoff. I did anything and everything just to get on the field. So we have a decent season. We win four games, you know, for in our standards, after going to zero and eleven, that's that's success. That's that's improvement. <laughs> and uh, then that that spring, Coach Robinson rolls up to me in his in his car and he says, uh, "Joe, you know, we got some. They brought in some guys from some Pac-12 schools, some big time running backs." And he says, uh, "You know, we got guys that are going to play right away, and I want to get you on the field. Would you be okay moving to defensive back?" Mm. And I was like, "Got to do what I got to do, right?" I love it. So I moved to corner. So I go to corner. I'm a sophomore around, redshirt sophomore. And uh, let me just tell you this, Dave. I was a lot better running forward than I was back <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely Real not the easiest, Real talk. Real talk. I didn't have the hips for DB, man. Yeah. I'm playing with some guys that played in the league, and, you know, they tried their best to get me. I was fast, open field, but I was not a DB, man. I wasn't covering anyone. Got so it. Got um, it. You know, part of the journey, right? Yeah. And uh, we, I'm on every special team, and I'm giving everything I got. I'm not playing on defensive back. We go to Iowa State our first game. Uh, we have a transfer quarterback that came in from from USC. We got a lot of high hopes. Mm-hmm. I broke my leg in the first game. It is so another
0: blow another, after yeah, blow. That's it, man. Yeah, it this is life coming, right, right here. And
1: I said, "What am What am I going to do? What else are you going to do? You Dust yourself off." I remember I got back on the plane. I knew something was wrong. They didn't know it was like it wasn't a huge break, but I, I broke mm-hmm. my fibula. I get on the plane and uh, I miss the rest of the year. We have mm. our best year to date in many many years. We go. 8-5, and five. we win the Vegas Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, we beat Arkansas, we beat an SEC team. You know, winners. And I had nothing to do with it, really. I just sat on the sidelines, but I was at every single practice, I was in every single meeting, I rehabbed, and I came back hungry. And I was hungry to come back, and then things started to happen. I think just having that belief in yourself, yep. staying you know, staying the course, yep. staying on the script, Coach Robinson comes back up to me. He says, those guys are gone now. I want you to move back to running back. Now I got my chance. Now I'm back in the driver's seat, and it's game time, man. And you know, not not to bore you with too many of the details. The last two years, we go to Arkansas. My junior year, we're on ESPN. All my boys in jersey on the big stage. I'm starting running back, man. You know, I've I've had this journey. I'm you know doing one legged presses with a broken leg and doing whatever it is that just to get healthy and just get on the field. And uh, I have a breakout game. I have 130 plus yards. I score a touchdown. Bananas. We lose a heartbreaker. Now we've got big scheduled games. We're playing Arizona. We're playing Northwestern. We're playing some big teams out of conference. We don't have the best season, but we're we're a tough team to compete with, man. We're mm-hmm. in every game. We go five and seven. I mean, we're, we're nobody wants to face us because they know they're going to get a team that's just is hard nosed and like fight till the end. And uh, yeah, man, it it we, the, the journey carries on. I rushed for over two thousand yards in my career. I become a captain my senior year, Love and it. Uh, it was an awesome experience. I got amazing friends from it. And, uh, you know, I think it's just staying that course, man, and having that edge and having that chip on your shoulder. And that's who I've been since I was five years old. Yeah. I wanted to be a winner, man, and I knew you had to just do it at a different level and have a different mindset.
0: Bro, this is this is like pearls, right? Because we're talking about how life hits, right? And there's so many things, and and I'm always trying to, you know, like, not you know, balance this thing. Like, you can do anything you want, but then life dictates certain things as well, right? The things that you can't control. And our willingness to be able to not just weather them, but be able to, you know, these storms, weather these obstacles, but be able to, you know, kind of really move with it, being pliable, being selfless. Um, so, you know, talk to me now about how that mentality prepared you for the marketplace. Right. You're a VP of corporate corp- corporate partnerships at Tal Group now. I'm one of the few athletes, you know, who's who's like every I've been here in my town in New York City since like I, since I've been a player 20 years ago. Like, so t- tell me your arrival to this place, what that really entails. Right. Like, you know, it's simple, but give some give a little bit of layers of meat and why you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, you know, so so coming out of college, I, I still wanted to play, right? I, of course. I had some success. I, I got an agent, I had some tryouts, and I said I'd give it one year. So I worked out with the Jets and I worked out with the Cowboys, I worked out with some CFL teams, I worked out with arena league teams. It didn't work out. And mm-hmm. I I I sat with Coach Robinson that that, you know, our exit meeting and this legendary guy was coached plethora of NFL Hall of Famers and, and Heisman Trophy winners. And he sat there, and I said, "Coach, like you know, you coached in the NFL. He coached for the Rams. I don't know six, seven years in the '80s." And I said, "What do you think, man? You like now? You know me. You know what yeah. kind of guy." And he goes, "Joe, I'm gonna be real honest with you. You're too good looking. You got too, You got too good a head on your shoulders." He goes, "You're gonna make a lot more money doing something else in life than playing football. I'm not saying you can't oh, bounce this around. Is bars right here." And I was, ma- and 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 Dave, I was again, I was mad. I was mad walking. I was 22 years old. I was angry. I felt like I was cheated. I felt like he was telling me something. I respected his answer, but I didn't accept it. I like and, it. And uh, I said, I'm going to give it one year. So I did. Um, and then I get out of college, and then you know I get past that point. I did really well in school. I wouldn't say I was this like bookworm. <laughs> I was a guy that did well in school because I wanted to Play well in sports and have that opportunity. And I didn't want school to hold me up. So I did what I had to do to get by. I ended up with a 3.5 broadcast journalism major. I said, I'm going to be the next Chris Berman, Stuart Scott, whatever it is. I love it. Well, that could have been further from the truth because (laughs) you get out. And as you know, playing college sports, you don't get a chance to work. You don't get stuff on your resume. And I had all these contacts and I made a lot of good relationships here in Vegas and at UNLV. And I said, all right, I'm done. I had good grades. I was a great player on the field. I was always a great guy. Nobody had a job for me, yeah. and I was um, I was kind of depressed, man. I was I, I, it was this like this moment where man, I did all the right things. I was a good kid. I never got in trouble, and now nobody wants to bring me into their organization to to be the guy that I know I am, that
0: I can provide. This is real. So you actually, you know, you you said you know we're in the thank God we're normalizing mental health. I had my I had like in the middle of my transition, I had a massive meltdown. You can call it full blown crazy. So I'm big on this space and and just being comfortable with the reality that, you know what, when life hits in different moments and different times, you know, and I think what we have to have is a, a support system, a game plan. So what was your game plan digging yourself out of that place right there because you're a grinder, you did, you did, like, it's, you know, we have sometimes one plus two should equal three mentality and, and it didn't work out for you. How, what were the things that really navigated you through? I had a great support system. I had awesome. my, my, my parents. I'm,
1: my, my mom is my rock. And, um, you know, I, I would t- talk to her daily. She lived in New Jersey. There wasn't a day, there hasn't a day that gone by that I haven't talked to my mom on the phone. So dope. Or now see her, right? You know, quite often living two miles away from me. But she was the, the person, you know, I'm her baby. I was her, her first child. And she was the one that was always saying, you got to keep going. You got to keep moving forward. They're like This is just a moment. It's just a, it's just a portion of your life and it's not going to last forever. Right. It's like, it's almost like the injury, right? When you yep. get hurt, how do you come back stronger from that? Well, you got to rehab, right? And you got to put in the extra effort and do these things. And that's how she kind of explained it to me. And, and I was really in the dumps and I just said, mm. What well, why, how does this happen to me? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. So, all right what are we gonna do? We're gonna just stand up, dust ourselves off and we're gonna get back after it, right? So I started just going out and talking to everybody I can talk to and just getting as many new contacts and what can I do and Mm -hmm. um, I dated this girl in college and her dad actually was my first business mentor and he said, why don't you move to California and come work for me and learn my business and I took a shot. So I moved moved a little further west and went out to California for a couple of years and that was the, the first moment where somebody took a chance on me that knew me, knew my background and said, I'm going to give this young kid a chance in business and teach him, like, what it is to be a business person. And and Mike O'Shea, man, if, if you're listening to this one, you know, soon. Mike I appre- O'Shea,
0: subscribe and man, get this,
1: brother. <laughs> I appreciate you, Mike. I tell everybody about you. You taught me how to be a businessman. You also taught me how to be a family man and, and just – be a good dude, and you're gonna get the things in return, and put in the work, and and, and you'll get the accolades and the things that you accept. So, um, I went work for him, a little company called Huntington Hardware, family-owned business, and and I sat at the table, man. I sat at the table with all these business leaders because he he brought his family into the business. It was his father's business, and it was, legacy. It was money can't buy experience. Right? Legacy. I love this. So you know, one thing leads to another. I I was missing Vegas. I was coming back. You know, we had a young relationship. And, yep. Very turbulent, college-related. She played sports. I played sports. And I was coming back here every other weekend, meeting up with my friends. And (laughs) I said, I I need to be back here. My mom at that point said, why don't you move back to Jersey? And something told me, Vegas, there's something bigger for me here. So I I came back. And uh, a guy that I played ball with and his partner started a little media agency. I got into that. And one thing kind of just took after another. I got into the beverage industry. A, A headhunter found me. Um, through one of my clients. I think it's just nice. treating people the right way, and you get that in return, what you give. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the, the energy drink giant Red Bull, and I went and did that for about seven years. And mm. that's where I really, really started to to learn business, and I got a whole nother education. And um, Red Bull was so good to me, and I learned so much about just traveling for business and having real negotiations and yeah. the education they gave me. And it just kept going, man. And I just kept my head down, but I always had that edge, man. I always had that chip. I always, you know, especially in my younger years, I was always the first guy in and the last guy out. And, you know, that changes a little bit as you have children and you yep. have a family, but Absolutely. your priorities change a little bit. Um, and and work has always been important to me because yep. it, it's a piece of who I am. But that's kind of what, that's that, that was the next phase of my life, man. And I became this young business guy in my, you know, late 20s. This is freaking gold! All
0: right, so this is this is absolutely dynamic. This is special. So, obviously, you're you're, you're doing some amazing things out here in the marketplace. I'm a, I'm gonna bring it back, right? So, you know, we're gonna settle this. We're gonna settle the score here because we did compete against each other in in, in high school. Um, I'm gonna bring it back before I for I, I really want to get these last few nuggets on um, how you've evolved as a leader in the marketplace. But, you know, Montclair High School is the gold standard of public school football in New Jersey. And I think most people would admit to that, but I agree with that. You know, like yeah. but Clifton y'all, y'all came for a senior year and you didn't just come for us on the on the on the gridiron which was <laughs> a very very like controversial controversial very. win cuz I think half of <laughs> Anthony Nesbitt's body was over the goal line, but but y'all got the call nonetheless and y'all earned that win. So on your home
1: field too.
0: On the home field. And we must have paid those reps We started off. that season ranked 11th in USA today. Literally, like, we lost the first game to St. Joe's, so that was gone. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of the best teams that never did anything. So kudos there, but I'm, I'm not even going to get into that. You know, you, you got your roses there. Senior year, I'm probably one of the best 400-meter runners in the state. <laughs> and I think this was, like, the in, like the conference championship, right? Man, go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna let you take over here. For, you know, like I'm I'm that dude though. Like, but I am hungover from prom and I, th- I think you kinda gave me some idea. Yeah. You might have did some yeah. some some something yourself, man. Like, um Do you remember your time from that 400 meter race? Like you was not even supposed to be in the race. I'm like, why is cool, were, this dude here? You know, like, high forty eight, for, like High 48? Yeah, Somewhere around there. So y'all, I'm confessing that White Lightning, <laughs> Joe Harrow, got the juice. He had the juice, he beat me. And I I think I he definitely like, I definitely had better times than your 400 in that race, but I was a little hungover. I definitely threw up that day. Yeah. But he came and got it. I and mean, I think I ran, like, 49, like, something like that. It was not my best race, but you earned it, bro. So he got some one-ups on me. I got I got I got to give you I got to give you that space right here on my that, own. Man. You, you know I mean you're Turfy Vegas but you're on my turf here on this podcast and I got to give you roses man we, but We had some battles man and, uh, <laughs>
1: you know we you didn't talk about that junior year cuz you guys came to our stadium We did and we had a really good team that year and and you had a, a my dad told me to remind you of this that that winning touchdown catch you had in that game and we were supposed to do big things that year but you know we got some sweet revenge and uh it was a monsoon out there. You know, it my, was. Jo- my job was to cover David Tyree everywhere he went. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what I did to the best of my ability. And I did punch one in, too, you know.
0: But, you punched uh, one in, yeah. Uh, Listen, it was not, I don't even know if we passed the ball. We weren't like a pass-heavy offense. So. No, we didn't pass too much. Yeah, yeah like I, that yeah. game it was... was uh, <laughs> I looked up in the stands, and there weren't many.
1: Par- My parents were up there with the umbrellas upside down. And, Chris. you know, the, the track, man, it was uh, – I, I loved running track. I only ran for two years. Man. And, uh, you know, that's where we really got to sit down and have some real conversations because we knew each other from football. and. Uh, I did get dropped off at the stadium in a limo, hungover as well, <laughs> from Long Beach Island, New Jersey, at the shore. I did not NBA want to leave, but I said I got a duty. I got to go do this. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I came out on top that day. But man, it was some great battles. And, it was uh, dope, fun to talk about.
0: Dope, man. So let's let's spin it forward, man. Tell me about you know what's the most satisfying satisfying part. You know, like cor- corporate partnerships, a lot of different a lot of different layers. And you're working for the Tau Group, one of the most dynamic hospitality entities that you know like like i said i've never been to town so i'm looking forward to i can't wait to host you bro let's let's make it happen <laughs> I, you know I, like and people ask me like you know do you drink yeah i drink i drink water i drink and
1: we sell water yeah you know, we like, sell water man. we sell sparkly be water good. we got coconut water we gonna be, we gonna we gonna water be water. lit bro
0: <laughs> we gonna be lit so yeah no but i, I appreciate you know like i i, I want to create this 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 platform to talk about what you do why you love it And, you know, how you've evolved in this space, you know, how it brings meaning at this point in your life.
1: Yeah. So I was, you know, I was talking to you earlier about the beverage industry. So I did that for about six or seven years. And, and that's where I really cut my teeth in this industry. I learned about nightclubs and hospitality and, and really working with some of these major giants from the winds of the world and MGMs nice. and, and the Tau group at the time. And I was one of their vendors and, you know, really got a, a behind the look scene and, and what goes on in that. And it's not what you see when you walk into a nightclub or one of these big day clubs that we have here, or even the restaurants for that matter. There's a mm. whole machine that that makes this work and i was i was very interested in it and um i went out with with my boss to miami when i was um probably towards the end of my red bull career and or was the end of my career and he said what do you think about coming on the other side and i said i, n- I never thought about that like I-, I like servicing you guys but i don't want to be in the nightclubs like <laughs> he's like no that's that's not what it is and you know we sat down and we came back here and and we had a couple meetings and i decided to make that jump and uh corporate partnerships has been something that I've just really put my arms around. It's something that Mm. um, has has really had a a found impact on my life. And it's about people. It's Mm. all about people, man. It's about having that relationship. And if you say you're going to do something, you actually do it. And that's all. It's as simple as that, man. Like, yes, we bring in dollars. We bring in other ways of support and ways that these brands like, I, I focus on the beverage stuff. So the mm-hmm. Evian's of the world, the Red Bull's of the world, the nice. Bacardi's of the world, and they do a ton, but they really do a ton, yes, because we have a great platform and we have a great company and they want to be a part of that, but they do it with people they, they like and people buy things from people they like, and, and that's all it is, man. This is so
0: dope right here. People, if y'all listening, be likable, right? Like, don't be, be, you know, one of my one of my terms is elevating integrity, right? And, it, and it's because that's what Sour's, everyone's experience when you're just and we're not talking about being perfect like like batting 100% when i mean being not moral perfect we're talking about hey we're talking about be consistent in your approach and what your deliverables can what your deliverables deliverables yeah we're going to do that <laughs> can be right <laughs> so that's really dynamic what's some of the more meaningful parts when you, like when, when you're talking about relationships and how you're stewarding this and obviously a gatekeeper to some, gatekeeper to some amazing well-known uh, partnerships what's the biggest give back at this stage in, in your in your uh, career you know i think it's just spending time with people right and really getting to know them
1: outside of just hey you work for a beverage company or you work for a nightlife hospitality company it's really getting to know them and mm-hmm. and really being authentic being mm-hmm. genuine right and getting to know about their family and it's the little things it's when their birthday is it's when their, you know, wife's birthday is, it's what they like, what do they like to eat when you go out to dinner? Like those little things make a difference. And I don't do it because I'm not a phony. Come I on, do bro. It because I care, man. I do it. Yes, it's my job, and yes, yes it's my job to smooth a little bit. Of course. But 99% of the people I work with, they're fun people. They're in a fun industry. And and that's that's what makes me who I am because I am authentic and I really want to get to know those people for who they are and not just what they do.
0: This is fantastic because this is. And and I get it. like we live in a transactional society. we We have to, you know, we have to get to some 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 deliverables. We have to get to some goals. We got to hit our you know objectives and all that other stuff. But when we move toward that transformational side of living in leadership, where we can just move beyond the transaction, be okay with what the results are, that's when the engine, right? It's kind of like, Putting that WD forty in the engine and, and it's greased up and it's already you don't see loss when you're able to give all the time. So um, just kind of continue to give shape. What would be your biggest, you know, word of advice to to any young? I mean, like I said, we're gonna have a diverse amount of audience, young athlete. Um, but like when when they're when they're considering how they're transitioning into to the marketplace, what's your biggest? word of advice I got three words Dave oh give it give
1: it to me I just used one be authentic be yourself nice don't try to be someone else because people are going to find you out right and you know I think we've all been in different phases of our life where we're trying to fit in somewhere do something I've learned as you be you know get into your 40s and you've had some successes in your life being yourself is what got you to where you're at Mm -hmm. that's one be consistent you just talked about consistency that's one of my pillars that I live on Be consistent. I wake up at a very similar time. I do all the same things. I work out every day. You know, I'm a family man first. I take care of my business. Consistency. And the last one is, ain't no shortcuts. There is no shortcuts in life. And everybody that thinks you can make a million bucks or you can go do this. And I thought that at one time, especially being out here in Vegas with all this money. There is no shortcuts in life. Put in the work. Put the grind in. And do that thing every single day. You will go to where you want to go. But there's no shortcuts.
0: Be authentic. Be consistent, and ain't no shortcuts. Listen, listen, I got to echo off that because I'm sitting here. Everybody knows this catch, this moment, right? The helmet catch, and you know I got to get this, this, this before we go, right? But there's no shortcuts. I'm sitting here. I don't have this massive social media following. I'm on the grind. I got seven kids. I got a smoking hot wife. I got, I got the basics covered, right? But there's been no shortcuts. There's no one laying any red carpets for me. We're in the grind, and that's why you, myself. And and people who can embrace that mentality, they'll find more contentment along the way because they got it the right way. That's that's pretty powerful. So here here's the little give back, right? So um, you know, you you know, I think your career embodies what, what that whole human experience is really about. And you've arrived, let's just say you've arrived and there's more to come for Joe Harrell, right? So we're not we're not we ain't setting no limitations. We <laughs> <laughs> ain't setting no limitations, bro. But, you know, so I just want to acknowledge how, how dynamic you are as a human, as a father, right, as a, as a husband, all these different areas. But now, now it's time for a little give back. So tell me where you were when you saw the helmet catch and what your thoughts or if there's any stories. So that's, that's the little give back for the day. Yeah, man. You know, I knew you
1: were on the Giants. I, I was, like I said, I was always watching you. I knew you. You know, we kind of went okay. our separate ways. But I was at this little bar. I set up a thing here in Vegas. It was a tiny little bar with some of my friends. I knew the Giants were playing. Funny enough, Dave, I was in the Meadowlands for the game that Randy Moss beat you guys. Or you guys beat them. Excuse me. No, no, no. No, they beat you, They beat us. That was a heck of a game. And that was when they were were undefeated, right? No doubt. I went back home. Shout out to Mike Weiss, one of my teammates at Clifton High, for bringing me to that game. And my best friend, Pablo Castro, who who also attended. Big shout, Pablo. I sat in those stands and watch that game. And I said, man, the Patriots are, are the real deal. So we set, up, we set up the game. I had family in town. My parents were out here, and we watched the Giants. And, you know, everybody's rooting for the Giants from back there, even though I didn't grow up there originally. I'm still pulling for you guys. Yeah, yeah. And, we uh, know you got the Bears in your heart. <laughs> listen, a lot of people forget that you had a touchdown in that game. And I, I remember, right, as a historian big of the facts. game, Thank I you. remember that was a big moment in the game. <laughs> but number two was the helmet catch. So when that happened, man, we were— it was like we were playing again. Oh
0: man, running around and
1: you know, a guy I competed against, a guy I knew uh made the biggest play probably in the history of, of Super Bowls in the NFL. So
0: that's it, man. Unbelievable. I appreciate the appreciate the love, appreciate the support. That's really what it's really what it's all about. It's just about connecting these moments. Man, you're 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 like I said, I'm sure there's more to come, but I can't thank you enough for just being that bridge. Um and, and spending your time and, and, and giving these jewels and wisdom and nugget to every listener. So, Joe, appreciate you for coming on Catch the Moment. We're going to continue to get great done. Let's continue to build. Love it, man. Thanks for having me and come back to Vegas soon. Oh, man, we're we, we here. Hey, listen, every guest, I need y'all to check this podcast out. I need you to like. I need you to subscribe. I need you to comment. I need you to be ferocious about sharing these gyms this, these nuggets, every piece of what Catch the Moment is bringing you. We'll be back soon. we we'll check in.